0: Welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat, the podcast where we take animals you see every day, animals you've heard of, and animals you didn't know existed and break them down in a single episode. Our goal as animal lovers is to spread knowledge and awareness about the creatures we share this floating rock with. We hope you learn something new. Welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat. I'm Jack. I'm Julia. And what are we talking about today, Julia? So today we are going to talk about the
1: saiga antelope. Um, and, you know, just right off the bat, it, it looks like an alien almost. It is, it, you know, it's it's typical deer and then you look at the face and I'll let you go ahead and talk so about now, it. This,
0: this was one of my choices because the first time I saw one, it was somewhere, I saw a picture of it somewhere on the internet and I was convinced it was a render. I thought it was a computer-generated image of a creature. It looks like a Muppet. Like, it does not look like... It looks so Mm over-exaggerated. And the reason we say that is its face. It has a really, really big, like, comically big nose-ish type organ on its face. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for it, and we will get into that. But just right off the bat, if you look it up, you're probably going to think, what the hell is this? Why does it look like this? (laughs) Yes.
1: And talking about its, you know, just general size... um, it can stand anywhere between two to three feet tall. It's about two feet tall at the shoulders and it can grow between four and five feet long. So we're not talking about a big, you know, it's, it, I, I guess it's smaller than like an average size deer, just mm-hmm. like a slightly smaller.
0: And, and I'll put in there, keep in mind also, uh, measurements for animals like this is to the shoulder. Yeah. So when Julia says two to three feet, that's to the shoulder. Mm-hmm. I just want to make that clear so people are like, oh wow, this is tiny. Yeah. It is small compared yeah. to other deer-like, gazelle-like animals, but just wanted to throw that in there.
1: Um, and then, it, you know, it can weigh between, you know, 50 to 150 pounds, just depending on the size and the type of saiga, because there is multiple, uh, like, subgroups of them.
0: Yes, The Saiga antelope is found in the area of Asia where Kazakhstan, Mongolia, Russia, Uzbekistan, that general area, the main population, the biggest population subgroup existing in Kazakhstan. And the type of environment that they live in is like a grasslands, semi-arid deserts sort of environments in Central Asia. So they were able to adapt to hotter summers and then also colder winters, which we can get into when it comes to their coat, their size, all that sort. And since we talked about how they look, we can also get into their nose and we'll explain the actual function of it. So, the actual function of the nose is during the summer when it's super dry out, the nose actually acts as a filter to filter out the dust, all the all the stuff that's in the air that they don't want in their lungs because there's, you know, thousands of these things running around so they're just mm-hmm. kicking up dust everywhere. So that's one of them. The other function is during the winter when it gets really frigid out, the the nose helps to warm up the air before it goes into the lungs because cool air can be that cold of air yeah. can be really bad for for lungs.
1: And as well as the nose, their their coat also has a function um with their, you know, summer winter migration. So it actually changes color, I learned, and during the summer it's kind of like a yellow red color you know really bright and vibrant and then when the winter comes along it's like a dull gray brown color and during the winter they also develop they called it like a mane of sorts around their mm. neck where they just get um you know bundles of thick hair you know just to help with that insulation and everything else during the winter
0: yeah so it's their fur or their coat almost doubles in length yeah between the seasons so during the summer you get hair up to, um, what was it, like an inch and a half? Yeah, inch and a half. Um, Whereas during the winter, you'll see it as long as potentially six inches of fur. And usually that six inches is usually the one around the mane. Mm -hmm. It's the longer um, fur that you see, giving them that mane-type look. And since they are a type of antelope, similar to other antelope, the males also have horns. Now, it is purely just a male um, trait, um, but the horns usually grow to about uh, around a foot, maybe a little bit bigger than a foot mm-hmm. in length. Uh, they're not very thick, um, but they are highly sought after. And one of the reasons they have such a low population in the wild is because of their horns. Because similar to other animals that Julie and I have talked about, the there are certain... Beliefs that the horns possess medical properties, and so they're hunted, and then the horns are sold. Yeah, in the when
1: I was looking at it, it was um, it was similar to people hunting it for rhino horns. Like yeah. it, um, you know, rhino horns, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, look at these antelopes! They look at these horns, and mm-hmm. like you said, I saw that they use for Chinese medicinal purposes.
0: Yep. Then one of the probably saddest things about the uh, saiga antelope is their population size. So they went from being well over a million in the wild to uh, dropping, absolutely plummeting. The biggest was during the 1990s. So they dropped to well over 1 million to about 100,000. I think there was an estimate that it got as low as like 30,000 at one point. Yeah. Right now, 20, I think the last uh, measuring of the population I saw was about 2019, and it was around... 130 to 200,000 is the rough estimate of what is currently in the wild. But still, that's almost 10%, 20% of what they were 30 years ago. They were mm-hmm. well over a million, and it's just plummeted for a number of reasons. Yeah. Like the one we talked about, hunting, that's the big one. There's been disease outbreaks that have just killed them, um, encroaching on their land, obviously, giving them less places to live, as well as natural disasters of long droughts, and then the temperature extremes, because they are living in what are considered arid deserts. So they don't get enough rain for so long, there's nothing they can do about that. And you see certain populations will start to dwindle out.
1: So just picking up on, you know, we talked about what they look like, talked about their numbers, um, what they eat. Like traditional deer antelope, they are graze eaters. Um, You know, so they'll have these herds of like 30 to 40 saigas. And, you know, they graze, they eat grass, shrubs, types of flowers and herbs and just things like that. Anything they can find on the ground to eat, pretty much they will.
0: Yep. Then during the summer, it's really interesting. I thought they're migratory patterns. Mm-hmm. So they are very migratory animals. Almost Another word they use for them is nomadic type animals where they're just constantly traveling. I think I saw in one year they can travel like a thousand kilometers
1: yeah, I saw that they can do 72 miles in one day alone when they're in, like, peak migration season. Yeah,
0: um, But during the summer when they're migrating, they actually break into smaller groups. Mm-hmm. So there is a giant, there's a larger herd that a single saiga antelope is a part of. But during the summer, they'll break into smaller groups. Then come wintertime, when numbers kind of matter and you need the warmth, you need bodies. During wintertime, they'll all come back together into that large herd. That they are. A
1: part yeah, of. I saw they called them super herds because it was you know it's like you know the sole purpose of migration. So they all come together and then when summer comes, just break off again. Easy as that.
0: And I think the reason for it, based on what I've seen, is because there is a quote unquote leader um, in a pack or in a pack or herd, whatever you want to call it. I, I say quote unquote because there's a lot of contention about like alpha animals yeah. and how they don't necessarily exist. But in in this case, there will be a a stag who is like the predominant father to a lot of children in the herd. And a stag, once he wins the title of being that, will basically lead a herd anywhere between like five and I think it was like five and 20 Mm -hmm. females. So that is how I would imagine what those smaller groups are is it's the stag his females that he has and then any babies that are with um, that.
1: yeah, that's I actually learned a new word. Um it's it's what they, it's a harem, which is just yeah, yeah, yeah. a group of animals where it's one or two males in charge and then predominantly female. Yep. Um you know just for it's for reproducing, you know, bringing the population back and because the males are so um not violent, but they, you know, bump heads with each other because they do yeah. want to be on top, each one of them.
0: Yep. So we brought up it's the one male and then multiple females. Well, it's the mating season starts in November, and that's when the stags will fight. That That's when it's putting on that show. We see it with a lot of other similar deer, antelope-like creatures. Um, I'm sure everybody's seen classic videos or, of two bucks butting heads. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing. They're fighting for the dominance. They're fighting to be like the one who reproduces with the females. Um, and then when they do finally decide to reproduce, springtime is when they give birth, which is pretty normal for my, many animals. Springtime is yeah. the time to give birth. Uh, a majority of the births I saw are twins.
1: Yeah, yeah, I saw that as well.
0: The the rest being single calves. Um, but I thought that was really interesting that it's that many. And it's one of those where they've had adapted to help kind of boost their numbers where They can't only have one child per reproduction or else their numbers are going to dwindle. So it started picking up to where they need twins.
1: And so, you know, we see this a lot with, like we said, the deer and the antelope. The calves um, can graze within a week. So, you know, we see it a lot. You know, humans are like the big exception is, you know, animals come out and they're pretty much already ready to go into the world. Um, So it's they're within a week. They're grazing like the normal herd. And then they're almost fully grown at four months old. So, I mean, it's it's quick. Um, but I also think it's because of their, you know, their age. I learned they only live about six to ten years.
0: Yeah, that doesn't shock me.
1: Yeah, which, you know, considering the size of them is not surprising. Um, but they have to grow up really fast to then go and reproduce and, you yep. know, live out their life.
0: And then as for predators, uh, like I mentioned, ant- humans hunting them, um, environment infringement sort of thing, uh, natural calamities we mentioned as well, but then when it comes to other animals, the probably the highest one is wolves. Yeah. Um, obviously, we see that almost anywhere where there's a large deer antelope-like creature, mm-hmm. whether it be wolves, lions, hyenas, yeah. there's some sort of pack creature or hunter that will go after these sort of animals, but... I also saw juveniles are also targeted by foxes, eagles, do- wild dogs, mm-hmm. and ravens. Yeah. yeah. Which, and and this is just fun little thing in case people didn't know, ravens and crows are actually very big. Yes. So when we say a raven, ravens are not small birds. I think usually they stand like two to three feet tall. Mm-hmm. They're not small birds. So if they find a small juvenile on its own, they could probably kill it fairly easily and then pick at it and eat it
1: and the other one i learned is in mongolia the birds of saga there um leopards are a problem for them yep, yep. Um, that makes sense. because you know it's you know like it's it's the tiger in mongolia is some leopards um and it's one of the main predators in mongolia along with the larger birds of prey
0: that's all the information we really have on the saga antelope this is a fairly quick episode Uh, For me, learning about them, it is really sad, like, seeing their numbers fall like that to where this is, like, a critically endangered species Mm -hmm. where basically one big slip up and they could be eradicated from the planet, essentially.
1: Yeah, but, um, you know, good news, I did see their numbers right now are rebounding really well, especially in places Mm -hmm. like Kazakhstan because um, they are critically endangered and the leaders there are, you know... Mm -hmm making sure hunting isn't happening anymore. Yep. And they're seeing you know herds that are giving birth to four newborns to now giving birth to 100 newborns. So their numbers are rebounding, but like we said, anything can happen. It, it,
0: yeah, like it's, it's it's one big slip up away from them just being eradicated. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Be sure if you're on any sort of uh, streaming service where you can leave rates or reviews, please do. It helps us and it just lets us know how we're doing and what we can improve on. And also be sure to tune in next week for our episode on the Eyelash Viper. I'd also like to thank my friend, the musical artist known as Shades, for creating this amazing intro and outro for this podcast. I highly recommend checking out his other work.